So did you hear about the guy who had to be exercised? He couldn't pay the priest afterwards and got repossessed. There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons and then There are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them. How's your faith these days, Father? Oh, Lord, oh, you are so big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. All right. This was supposed to be last week's episode, and I worked too much. So here I am now. I want to give it to you, and then I'm going to finish doing uh, this week's. Post that up, too. Hopefully, it's not too much for you guys, and hopefully you guys enjoy listening to it. By the way... Welcome. If this is your first time listening, I hope you subscribe. If this is your second, third, fourth, eighth, fourteenth time listening, I hope you have hit those five stars on Spotify or give me a comment of good praise, wherever the hell you're listening to. So today we're going to be diving into Luke again because year C, hooray for, you know, lectionaries. And today it's going to be from chapter 6, verse 17, verses, oh, sorry, verse 17 through 26. It's kind of an interesting thing, and I can't wait to get into it with you. So first, let's hear that reading. It goes like this. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for the power came out of him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you who hate people. Oh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. And for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will, you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. see what happens when you rush through things you completely forget how to speak and say words like tire or tyre or tyra i should have looked it up like again 
Anyway, let's get into this because psychiatrist Robert Coles tells a story about a poor black woman in New Orleans who sells her body almost every night to wealthy older men to take care of her five children. And every night, this woman also takes half of what she earned as a prostitute and gives it to the nuns who run the local soup kitchen. Now Coles asks the question, is this woman blessed or is she cursed? From her perspective, I'm pretty sure the answer is both. But from the perspective of today's gospel lesson, she is more blessed than cursed. The entire spectrum of biblical scholars, from conservative to liberal, agree that the words of the Beatitudes form the very core of Jesus' ministry. Yeah, these no-nonsense words give us his central wisdom, focused vision, and principal mandate. Both the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew record the words of the Beatitudes, but there are significant differences in these two presentations. Matthew has Jesus giving, leaving the crowd and going up on a mountain away from the hubbub to share these words with only a few chosen disciples. On the other hand, in Luke, Jesus is coming down from the mountain onto the plain where the crowds surge around him trying to cut touch him. They're trying to literally suck them into themselves the power coming out of them. Matthew has nine blessings. Luke only has four. Matthew spiritualizes the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Then Luke is just plain more blunt. Blessed are the poor. Boom. Period. Matthew puts it all in the third person. Blessed are those. Luke brings the words home. Blessed are you right here in the present. Finally, Matthew keeps things positive, focusing only on the blessings. Luke matches the blessings with an equal number of curses. Yeah, Luke reminds us that the opposite of the blessing is woe. And for God, both and, not either or, ways things good are good. I don't know how to put that sentence, but you understand what I'm trying to say. With God, it's both and, not either or. As is the custom in many worshiping communities, many of us respond to this to the reading of the gospel as this, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, or the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, thanks be to God. So I have to ask you, do you really mean that today? Are we truly thankful for these words from Luke? In his very straightforward way, Jesus tells us that those who are blessed, those who are happy, according to another translation, are the poor, the hungry, the ones who are weeping. The blessed are those who are hated and excluded. And then to make matters worse, he says, Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. Woe to you who are laughing. Cursed are you who enjoy the admiration of others. Dudes, no matter which way we slice it, we are all in that group of the cursed. And we are not at all blessed. At least, not all of us. And 
certainly most of us, you know. <sighs> so, as the message by Eugene Peterson suggests, some of you are rich, and that's too bad. You have all gotten what you will get. So, what's going on with this shit? Let me tell you a story about a Quaker. It's a true story, too. He put up a sign on the vacant land next to his house. It read, This land will be given to anyone who is truly satisfied. And a wealthy farmer came along, stopped, read the sign, and said to himself, You know, I have all I need as a wealthy man. I qualify. Might as well claim the land. He approached the Quaker to seal the deal. And are you really satisfied? The Quaker asked. Well, yeah, I am. I have all I could ever need. Friend, said the Quaker. If you're satisfied, what the fuck do you need land for? So, what does it take to make us satisfied? What does it take to make us happy? And is happiness the same as a blessing? In his book, Making Sense of Suffering, Peter Kreeft suggests that the modern sunum bonum is pleasure, control, and conquering suffering. So, the modern drive is to pit human power against nature, see suffering as scandal, and rise above it at all costs. But he reminds us that the sumum bonum of the Christian life is completely different. It's to glorify God and enjoy God forever. And sometimes that means entering and embracing a world full of suffering. In other words, happiness is not a warm puppy. It is not about feeling good, but about being good. So likewise, blessedness is not about the good life, y'all. It's about a life that is good. Now, the Hebrew writers gave us a very simple image to understand these tensions between happiness as the world defines it and happiness as God offers it. And the image is just like a mesquite tree out here in the desert. Well, so, well, not really. The image is that of a tree planted by streams of living water, so profoundly rooted in the ways of God that no matter how violent or desolate the world around us may become, we stay connected in a profound and fundamental way, connected to the vast oceans of God's grace. Now suppose you happen to get the chance to go to the Middle East. The striking difference between Galilee, with its verdant, green, watered haven of the north, of what was once Palestine, versus the Dead Sea, the vast stretch of desolation, knee-deep with bare salt, just a hundred miles south of Nazareth, the aquamarine sparkle of that water is dazzling with a kind of deathly beauty. But it is in no man's land, where the glaring sun and the parched earth destroy any inkling of life close by, except for like two types of fish and brine shrimp. Besides that, though, in chapter 17, verses 5 through 10, Jeremiah compares a shrub and that uninhabitable salt land with a tree planted by water. He is giving us a choice between which one we want to be, between life and death. 
Do we trust the stunning desert of the world's way? Or do we trust the rich soil of God constantly being fed by streams of living water? The choice is ours, but the consequences are strikingly clear. Rooted only in the ways of the world, we will quickly shrivel up and die. But rooted in those wet, fertile promises of God, we, in the words of the prophet, shall not fear when the heat comes. And in the year of the drought, we will not be anxious, and our leaves will stay green and our branches will bear fruit. Now, I think Jesus is saying two things to us. First, he is saying that when we live out of vulnerability and need, out of our emptiness and not out of our fullness, it is then that we can connect with God and that God can give us what we need. And second, God is not saying it is wrong to be rich or full, healthy, strong, or lighthearted. Instead, he suggests that that fullness and satisfaction leads us to self-sufficiency and self-absorption, a state of independence that distances us from God and leads us to glorify ourselves instead of the Creator in our lives. And to be honest, we can see that in the world. We can see that in others. And we can see that by giving, we find deep pleasure. And I don't think it's because of ourselves, but it's the satisfaction of God's plan. Now, speaking of that emptiness, though, for most of my life, emotions and I were not friends. They were the bane of my existence, and I would do anything to stop from having them. This need to separate me from those emotions that I could not control led me to an addiction that nearly ruined me. Weirdly, I recovered in an RV next to my parents' house. I got really sick when I got clean. And they ended up paying to have me go to the doctor, which is the family doctor. It was a good thing, too. She also went to my church, and she would honestly make sure that I was still going to meetings and stuff, and <laughs> all sorts of fun things. Anyway, I got clean and I fought to embrace my emotions, which I still have next to no control. I cry when I'm happy and when I'm sad. I snap out of anger when I don't mean to. When other people would say, just calm down. I just feel that it's boiling over. There's no sense of calm. I have a hard time controlling this. But I've allowed myself to accept them. And also to accept the emotions of others a lot more intentionally. So yeah, these days tears come frequently and quickly to me and as much in times of joy as in times of sorrow. And so often, my tears flow for the pain of others, not just for myself. I certainly haven't figured out what that control is that everyone else has, but I feel more human, much more connected to and dependent upon God. 
It's made life much more richer than I ever felt when I was high. So yeah, I understand why Jesus says, Blessed are those who weep. Now, in the last couple of years, there have been a lot more tears in this world. Some of you have been watching beloved parents, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, children die. And the pain the world is feeling is excruciating. And these tears do flow. Some of you face your mortality because of severe disease or this pandemic itself. And those tears of fear, rage, and sadness often threaten to drown you. I'm always so bitterly confused when people apologize to me for crying or seem embarrassed by their tears. I believe that it's a gift. Our tears soften the suffering of the human condition. Our tears are sanctified because Jesus himself wept. Strangely, they connect us to Jesus and with the mysteries of life and death. What Jesus is offering us today, what Jesus is inviting us to experience today is a rich honesty of vulnerability and the deep soil of our own human need. And what Jesus promises is the nourishment of mercy and healing that God gives to us when we are rooted in the holy that's just waiting for us and given to us by His grace alone, whether we think we deserve it or not. And our scripture goes on to give us a second, even stronger message. Not only are we called to recognize our own need and dependence on God, we are called to recognize the need and vulnerabilities of others. And then to offer to them through our lives and our blessings rich soil of compassion and justice, mercy and love. We are called to be in solidarity with the poor, the hungry and those who are weeping. We are called to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Biblical scholars point out that the Beatitudes are called performative words. These predictions about blessedness will not happen because they are already happening. This is not about what might be. This is about what is. This is about God's plan, God's vision, God's kingdom. The reality described by the Beatitudes won't happen because they are always already there, whether we choose to be part of it or not. Only a few of us are called to be poor. A few more of us are called to work with the poor, but there is not any of us who are called to be against the poor because all of us are called to be for the poor because that's what it means to be God's people. My dudes, our scripture reading for the day reminds us that the human happiness and holy happiness are often two different kinds of reality. Jesus is suggesting that blessing is more than enjoying ourselves. The goal of life is much more than self, is definitely more than self-fulfillment. 
And prosperity is more than just getting what we want. Happiness is to be open to God, His grace, and all His children. Blessedness is to be fully alive and in harmony with God's ways, both in good times and in bad. So let us be comforted and instructed by that those words of the psalmist. Happy are those who delight in the Lord. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. So let it be for us. Let us be prosperous in our giving. Let us be prosperous in our comfort. And let us be prosperous in our feeding of others. Let us be prosperous in using our voice in our, in our communities to stand in front of those who would be mocked and hated and reviled and marginalized wherever that happens. So are you up to it? I really want to thank you all who listened to uh, my podcast. You select chosen few who found me on accident beyond uh, the few who generally listen because they are connected to me. It means a lot. And I hope you go below to the description. You follow my links and you join my community on Discord. You join us on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, where I play games, have fun. And you can come and ask me questions live. I'm going to be... I uh, go onto Twitch every Wednesday by 10 o'clock Pacific time. And I keep going. I mean, today I was playing at 8 o'clock at night. I mean, good God, why? Because it's what I do to relax. And after the weeks I've been having, definitely need it. Also, consider supporting this podcast too. Every little bit helps. And it helps me say no to my boss when they ask if I will work extra which means I have more time to make podcast episodes which I really love to do so help me give you more content that's what I'm saying really (laughs) anyway folks I love you take care all the links are down in the bio dot whatever it is and yeah join me beyond the podcast I think you'll really enjoy it. Toodles. Take care of each other. I love you.